podcast. Hello, people of Earth, and welcome back to Good Humans. This is a podcast uh, about exploring better ways to be human. My name is Josh, and I'm really excited. Uh, I have somebody on that um, I'm excited to talk to today. An inter- one of the most interesting people, I think, uh, that I know. And we were just talking about this, Joel. We've only ever actually met in person one time. Yeah. Um, and and then just talk sporadically online, like here and there. But yeah, uh, yeah. and here we are. So um, I have with me today, Joel Grasick. I'm saying your last name right, right? Close. Gratzik. Gratzik. I'm so sorry. It's I should good. have asked that before we started. <laughs> I, when we fly standby anywhere, I, we always know when they're trying to pronounce our last name because they, they just botch it over the, the oh. loudspeaker. It's great. All right. Well, I'm an asshole and every, <laughs> all of our listeners already knew that. I'm just, you know, in case you weren't aware, Joel, I'm an asshole. So, okay. Um, I am now informed. Thanks. <laughs> Joel Gratzik. And um, so you're a bit of a, a, a all things online sort of guru is is my impression so but you know what you are better than i do so um why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh sort of like what you do and uh, who you are what people should know about you i feel like i'm a bit of a non-traditional uh freelancer or non-traditional employee i love that term i so one of the one of the things we were talking about when i reached out to you in the first place was that facebook post that you made uh about being a non-traditional employee i really like that Sorry to cut you off. I just really like that. <laughs> no, it's all good. I, I, you know, I like compliments. They're, they're good. Um, <laughs> all right, good. So I, yeah, I've, I've spent about twenty-ish plus years uh, working in a lot of nonprofits. Uh, primarily, day jobs have been uh, churches. I've helped them with everything from marketing to websites and fundraising and uh, mission trips internationally, humanitarian aid stuff, things like that. Uh, cool. And then in the last like eight-ish years probably have really gotten more into a lot of freelance marketing stuff. I do a lot of the 360 tours online for Google and um, standalone things like that. Uh, also become a big fan of craft beer and the brewery scene in the U.S. and Canada uh, in the last three or four years and have done kind of a lot with, with that as far as tracking where they are, what's opening, what kind of releases are going on, things like that. That's really cool. And you, um, so that beer, uh, brewerryfinder.org, right? Is that, that yes. website? Yep. Um, is that like, did you start that or like, th- that was your idea originally, right? F- from what I understand? Yeah. Yeah. My buddy and I, um, Jeremy Highland, he and I worked together um, at a, a church for almost 10 years. And um, along the route, he and both my wife were like, my wife was like, hey, you know, I didn't really like beer because the only thing I'd had was Miller Lite. And I didn't know that there was actually good beer. That was yeah. just, I thought all beer was shit because I only knew Miller Lite. Yep. Um, but she encouraged me to like try new things. And, and Jeremy's a big home brewer. He knows a lot of beer types and styles. And, you know, he, he kind of got me into that. But anyways, uh, probably maybe I think like eight years, seven or eight years into um, us working together. He was just kind of complaining one day um, about tr- how difficult it is to go into a new city and find a brewery or find out like is it open do they allow kids because he's got a young kid like like i do right and um i was like we can do something about that you know like th- there's all these really great regional maps if you go to like boston or you go uh-huh. to la they've got you know kind of their own thing but there's not really a, a good easy to use national thing so i was like well you know you know beer and i know the tech stuff let's let's figure it out so we came up with something and it's been an ongoing process you know we 
we're not moving on it as quickly as we'd like because it's it's a part-time passionate thing but um it's definitely a lot of fun yeah man i i've been on there a few times myself um and there's i mean there's quite a bit on there already um so you know i like i know especially with like passion projects um it's always a sort of a work in progress because it's never really done because you're never super happy with it because it's a passion project. You always want it to be better. Um, but I've been on there a few times. There's there's quite a bit of stuff on there. It's it's that's such a cool idea. I've uh, I've actually just recently gotten into beer myself uh, much nice. for the same reasons. I thought it was just all like Miller and Bud and whatever. And I'm like, why would I drink stuff that tastes like piss all the time? Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so like I've uh, my brother in law lives in North Carolina um, and awesome. like in the Raleigh Durham area, there's like a lot of those like local yeah. little breweries um, and he actually owns a food truck. So he'll like go Excellent. and serve at some of those. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've gotten to try like a few of those out there. Um, there's there's some good stuff out there. You're actually you're drinking something right now. Yes, actually, um, I I, I kind of did it a little bit to show off, um, but yeah. also because this is probably one of my favorite beers um the first time i had this beer uh at solomoth it's called sybil's revenge okay and they made it uh well let's see they just had oath day their annual like anniversary party it was oath day six and i had this for the first time at oath day two so about four years ago um it was a one-time run then and i thought they weren't ever going to make it again um and i was part of their old order which was like a membership only thing and so they did the original base beer but they aged it in some barrels um and it was interesting their fifth release of that like um membership thing and this is my last of three bottles because i knew i needed something really good to to drink it's just i mean it's it's a great dark beer very cool anything better about it i like it um, I, my traditional, uh, my traditional podcast drink is, is usually something with whiskey in it. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So tonight it's, it's actually just rye, uh, is, is just straight okay. rye. So, um, but yeah, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So <clears throat> you said a lot of stuff that I think is, is really interesting. Um, so we'll probably end up skipping around a little bit or, I mean, this cool. will go wherever. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I'm interested in, you said, um, like a lot of the nonprofit stuff you've done uh, is for churches over the years. Uh-huh. Um, and so we can talk about this as much or as little as you like, but sure. uh, religion and faith has been one of my uh, uh, pursuits as of late. Um, I was, I was brought up in a very closed off uh, cult Christian sect. Um, and so uh sort of getting out of that there was like this just this giant void um and you know knowing that there was all kinds of other possibilities which you know growing up we were led to believe was not the case um and then getting out of that and just you know sort of seeing the world for what it was and all the vibrancy and variety and everything else oh yeah uh so so faith has been a, a passionate pursuit of mine for a long time especially within like the last year and a half two years um and I, I've, I've explored a lot of different ideas um, in that realm <clears throat> and still haven't really settled on anything. Um, but I, it's definitely it's it's one of my one of my favorite things to to think and read and talk about. So uh, with you, though, like so um, 
again, we've we've met one time in person um, and the rest of our interaction has been online, <laughs> which is, dude, just as a side note, that's such a crazy thing to say, uh, which is is not something that anyone could have said five or ten years ago. I feel there there just wasn't that much connection that long ago, I guess. But no, it's yeah, it's it's I would say probably it's been <clears throat> a lot more mainstream the last five five ish years or so. Yeah, um, I have. I had these kind of, I don't know, friendships, relationships, whatever you call it, back in the late 90s. I was mm-hmm. like the the old school. I was on the message boards and uh, my first blog and website in 96. So it's, I mean, it's been a, a hot minute. Yeah. But it, it, it used to really, really weird people out when I'd go to a music festival and I'd be like, oh, hey, you're so-and-so. And we'd like hang out and talk, but we'd been friends for three years online and had never met in person or yeah. Um, a funny story is that I always tell when people bring this sort of thing up is my wife being a flight attendant. When we first got married, like 10 ish years ago, um, we were, we've been married 12 years, but a couple years into our marriage, she became a flight attendant and was friends with this gal on, um, Twitter, just not long. I don't remember exactly how long, but they only had met on Twitter and it wasn't very long. And it came up that she and her hubby and, um, I think one kid at the time were living in Hong Kong and she was like, Hey, come for a visit. So my wife went for a visit, had never met this person before in real life. Didn't have any mutual friends at all. And she spent like three days in Hong Kong and they had a lot of fun and we're still friends to this day. Like when they're in Chicago, we, uh, you know, go out to eat for deep dish. That's so great to go. And you know, they're kind of all over the place, but it's great. <clears throat> and we're still friends <clears throat> with them today. So, I mean, that's amazing. There, yeah. There are definitely really good things that can come from these kind of friendships. So, yeah, it's there's you know, there's also people talk about the negatives to technology all the time. There's negatives to everything. I, I don't think I don't think there's more negatives to technology than there are necessarily to anything else. It's just humanity is adverse to change for the most part. Yeah. Um, and but one of the things I love so much is that um, so like we like we happened to meet because of a mutual friend uh, mm-hmm. one time in person. But people like us can cross paths online just because of mutual interests or, you know, mutual passions or whatever. Sure. Um, and, you know, strike up that same sort of like camaraderie or friendship or, you know, whatever it, it is. A, I was going to say whatever you would call it, but it is a friendship. Um, you know, whether you spend buddies, like time, <laughs> we are buddies, <laughs> <We're> buddies. <laughs> uh, but like what, you know, whether you spend time in person or not, you know, like you're still, yeah. you know, like you have things in common and, and you're still, um, you know, there's a, a relationship there. It's just, it's like, we would call it non-traditional, but it's, it's becoming more and more commonplace. And I just think it's crazy. Um, it's, it's great. So all of that is a super roundabout way, uh, to say my, so my, um, what I know of you is that, uh, you're a, you're a very like think for yourself person. Um, and, uh, so you, you definitely have your own ideas, um, and are not afraid to explore those ideas, uh, or really to explore other perspectives and and find out maybe if you're wrong, um, which I love. Uh, I, I say all the time, I may not totally mean it all the time, but I say it all the time that <laughs> I, you know, if I say if I think or feel a certain way or say something uh, a certain way and somebody thinks I'm wrong, I would love for them to tell me why, um, because I legitimately want to know. I, I don't want to be an asshole <laughs> for my whole sure. life. So <laughs> uh, if I am being that, I, I really would love for people to to reach out and tell me why. So. Um, all of that being said that, that sort of thinking doesn't always, uh, fit inside a religious structure. Um, 
And so I'm I'm really interested to hear uh, your experience with that growing. I'm I'm assuming you also grew up religious, but I'm I'm interested to hear your experience with religion as a whole, um, and sort of with uh, you know the churches that you've interacted with, um, and just sort of your interaction with faith over the years. It's a big sure. question, but yeah, it is. And so I'm kind of like <laughs> seeing what I should grab out of the air here to start with, but. Um, so yeah, I mean, even as a really young kid, I was in the church because, uh, my dad has always, well, had been in the ministry as long as I could remember. Um, he was a pastor, an elder, um, you know, held various, uh, positions in the church. Um, he did a lot of, uh, like drug and alcohol counseling, a lot of great work in, in that. Um, so I definitely, as a kid and family growing up, we were always at church on a Sunday morning. And that was the thing. Um, sometimes Wednesday nights, depending on what we went, some kind of like Bible yep. camp thing for kids and things I remember like that. Those. Yep. Um, and a lot of that was varied because <clears throat> my dad, for various reasons, switched jobs for a few times. And so we were in Indiana and Ohio and Oklahoma, and I, we've been a number of places and to a number of churches even before I was in middle school. So we had a lot of experience with mostly like middle of the road to pretty far right, um, even into the, the, the cultish realm, like you were mentioning Yeah, uh, with, with some of those. And then we got involved with the church uh, where we were pretty involved, I think, for seven, eight years. Um, that was like that super conservative, didn't know uh, the questions to ask to to verify what was being taught uh, to be true, right? Um, you know, things like that. Um, some stuff went down, and we we left that church. And through the the wonders of Google, found out that a lot of what was said that even should have been easily verifiable before the internet um, wasn't. So uh. things as simple as court records that showed that the church did pay damages in lawsuits that they said that they didn't. Um, oh, wonderful! To the tunes of tens of thousands of dollars, like oh, that's wow. a that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it makes sense that right before we left, why they said no, we can't see any of the books. Um, to say like, where's our money going? If my wife yeah. and I are newly married and want to invest our hard-earned money in a place that we assumed was doing good, and right. not not that everything they did wasn't good, but <clears throat> there was some real questionable stuff there. So we we were happy to leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. I, so by the way, my dad also was a pastor. Um, so that's, that's something we have in common, uh, there. Um, so, uh, and that's, man, that's interesting. Cause I, like we moved around a lot and like, there's, I, I feel if you stay in any one denomination or sort of like group for any length of time, you're like, something's going to come out about somebody somewhere along the way. And like you said, that's not to say that nobody's doing good or all they're doing is bad. Um, it's just religion sets up some pretty interesting power structures that, uh, I think sometimes put people in bad situations and Absolutely. when humans get put in bad situations, humans do bad things. I think that, that's um, a good way of saying it. So that, and that's one of the, that's one of the problems that I have with, with religion at this point. But, so where do you, like, how do you feel like that affected your, your faith, whatever shape that takes? Um, and, and where do you feel like that sort of landed you now? Or like, I, you know what? I, so 
you don't have to answer that question like super unilaterally or like definitively because <laughs> I I hate when people are like, are you this or are you this? Um, I just, I'm just always curious about like how stuff like that affects, you know, like how you think about the whole thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, quick timeline. I mean, as a kid, I was uh, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. This is what you say. That is true to life. That is fact. No questions uh-huh. kind of thing. Um, getting a little older, um, I, I had more questions. Um, but before I was asking a lot of those questions, number one, I felt bad for wondering and not just accepting the answers Mm. because that's kind of how we were taught. Um, and number two, it was not really, (laughs) I'm trying to think how to say this. Um, going from, the, the yes, no, to be feeling guilty to being the, the kid or the young, not young adult, because it was still like junior high. But, you know, when they had an altar call, like I was always down there because I wanted to make yeah. sure that I was saved. And like I did something that week to fuck it up. And I didn't want to say the, the kid that like ended up in hell because I mouthed off to somebody but didn't remember oh, yeah. it, you know. Yeah, I know that feels. <laughs> I, mean, I think a lot of people do. I mean, yeah. I had those conversations with people later on going, wow, that was some real shit that people anyways um to getting older young adult um spending years volunteering uh doing humanitarian aid stuff which Mm -hmm. i mean we did good work helped with earthquake relief and you know medical clinics and things that were needed but a lot of that coming from it now uh was what i think and a lot of people have also said um the white savior complex oh yeah you know, the churches come in and they do this, these good things, but are they really good things? Are they going to last? Like, are you just going in and they're just saying thank you because you're also giving them money? Right. You know? Right. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's, it's all wrapped up. I, I, I know exactly I, what you mean. It's, it's the whole, like, you know, what are the, first of all, what are the motives? Is it like, uh-huh. is this more self gratifying than it is helpful, uh, to the people that you're, you're quote unquote helping? Um, are you are you providing long term aid, uh, you know, things that are setting these people up to be able to to thrive in the future? Or is this just a band aid and they're going to be back in the same position, you know, in the next week or month? Um, you know, because the churches I was involved in did, you know, some of the things, same things. And those are the questions that were not getting asked. Um, and a lot of what they were doing was was definitely just sort of band aid stuff that was like, look at the good we're doing. Yeah. And then we could all feel better and go home and be like, we did a good thing for less fortunate people today. Right. And then, and then we and, were great Christians and it, everything was happy and, and, and fine. it's, it's, it's awful too, only because I mean, those stories you hear about, oh, the youth group went and they built this building or they painted this thing and then they went back the next day. But overnight, the locals tore it down or they repainted it. Right. Like literally doing double the work just so the the outside group could get the photos and they could give the money and oh it's it could be a really big mess there are groups that do a nice job and there are groups that don't yeah. i tell you the the worst thing i ever did for my faith was work at churches absolutely um, i i 100% believe that I, I i'm interested to hear why but i i 100% believe that i went from like i said the the down at the altar every sunday because I wanted to make sure everything's right to, you know, God's a fucking asshole if he or she exists or God's incompetent because I mean, 
you're an asshole to let these kids die of cancer and let all of these wars break out because some shitty old white guy, you know, was offended or had his feelings hurt, yeah. you know, basically. And that might upset people, but I that's think, all right. that, you know, that that's kind of how I see it. Like, you know, if you're, if you're going to care about people, you're going to care about them. Yeah. And a lot, one of my biggest problems I have with people in general who believe in an afterlife is the ones that use it as a crutch. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I fuck up in this life, well, I get a do over in heaven. But if, or whatever afterlife you believe in, but like if that's not true and you only really have one life, you better do everything you can to try and make yours and the people around you, their lives as good as you can make it. Yeah. You know what it's, I mean? It's interesting that you bring that up because that, that's <clears throat> one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about recently. Um, and it didn't originate with me. They're, like I've been reading a lot of books and stuff too, but exactly what you were just saying um, there's this, uh, I feel like it's a very Christian idea, but it's, it's not isolated only to Christianity because this exists in, in other cultures and faiths, but the idea of, um, you know, I like, I'm going to just make it through this life because the next life is what really counts. That's what really matters. Like this is, this is just, you know, like Christians say it all the time. This is just temporary. I'm just passing through. Like they have all these like cutesy ways of saying it. Um, and so this is just, this life is just something to get through, uh, you know, with as little trauma as possible so that you can make it to the real thing, which is heaven and eternity. And that's where the good stuff happens. This is just the suffering we have to go through to get there. And even as a kid, I always thought like, then why any of this? It's such a cop out. What, like, why would, why, <laughs> why would we be here? Like, if this is why, like, why would we have to suffer for 70 ish years before we get to that thing why wouldn't we just go straight to that thing if that's the real thing like what are we doing here and (laughs) the answer was always well to tell other people about jesus and like that's why we're here and i'm like but if nobody was here nobody would have to do that like if we we could all just skip it you know um right if if god set up the rules why they didn't have to be set up this way right exactly um so yeah, that, that never really sat right with me either. But the other part of that is like, there's religion as a whole or God as a whole, I think, uh, like beyond, beyond just being an asshole here and saying, well, it doesn't matter. This, this is temporary anyway. It doesn't matter. Like there's so much, I, what you alluded to earlier, there's so much like suffering and, and pain and wrong that happens here. And the cop out answer is, well, you know, God works in mysterious ways. There's got to be a reason, you know, God's in control. You got to yeah. trust him. Um, and to me, that's just such a lazy, like, I don't want to dig into those ideas. So I'm going to put everything on God. Like it takes all of the onus off of us. We as humans and how we interact and treat each other. And it puts all of the, it puts all of the weight on this otherworldly being that we can't possibly comprehend and understand anyway. So then like all the pressure's off. We just don't have to think about that stuff anymore. And I just think right. that's so lazy. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. N- nobody's perfect. Like whatever you believe, I, I get it. Like we're, we're humans. We, we, we fuck up, you know, we, we try and be good humans, Yeah, but it, it, we're not perfect. And, and you have a bad day or, you know, there's a chemical imbalance or any number of reasons things can go wrong. They, they go wrong. 
but to like you said have that backup and just blame it on someone else is i i, I hate the whole idea of victim blaming you know i hate right. the whole idea of i i am the person that's causing pain but it's not my fault because so and so did such and such you know it's just i yeah. hate it i was um, i was created this way this is just this right. is just how i was made yeah so exactly. you know i'm, I'm I, sorry that i did this thing but like that's not an apology Right. And I it personally, I go back and forth between uh, atheism and being an agnostic. You know, I don't really know if God exists or not. Sure. And and sometimes I feel like God does not. And then sometimes I'm like, well, God does. But, you know, I'm angry at God because of a- X, Y, and Z. Sure. Um, and I think that's just part of being human and, and trying is. to understand our origins and where we're going, where we came from. Um, so I don't have answers. But like you said before, when I have feelings or thoughts, I, I'm not afraid to share them. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I've misquoted this probably five or six times now in in recent (laughs) conversations with friends. So I really just need to look up who said this. Uh, but I, my guess is that it's either Tillich or Kierkegaard and I can't remember which, um, but one of them, one of those two philosophers, I think it was, was talking about the relationship between religion and certainty and man's, uh, sort of quest for meaning. Um, which is like, that's a whole other big thing, which I, I think is part oh, of the yeah. reason religion exists in the first place. Um, cause we're like, we love for things to make sense. And absolutely, you know, if somebody didn't put us here, then how does any of this make sense? You know, I think it's sort of how the human brain at its like basis level is, is functioning. But, um, so one of those two, either Tillich or Kierkegaard, I think said, um, true freedom is, uh, the, the freedom from certainty. So, Mankind is is searching for certainty just for since our beginning, since we have recorded history, mankind mm-hmm. has been searching for certainty. We just we want to know like we want to know that we're safe. We want to have we want to have certainty that, uh, you know, tomorrow we're going to have food. We want to have certainty that our relationships are OK. We want to have certainty that um, our needs are being met or that we're like that we are as people that uh, as a sovereign being, we are OK, um, right. you know, and normal. And really certainty is something that never comes. Um, it's just the nature of life and you know, nothing is ever certain dude. I case in point, I picked up my car today from the repair shop because it, I had a hole in my muffler. My car was real loud. There was fumes inside my car. I was like asphyxiating. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's not good. Yeah. I, I dude, I, I drove to work the other day and like, I noticed my heart was like beating fast and I was like breathing hard. And I was like, am I having a panic attack? I'm not even like, I'm not even stressed. Like, yeah. I don't even know what's going on. And then I realized like, oh, I, I think I'm, I think I'm like in the very, very early stages of asphyxi- asphyxiation because there's like fumes inside my car and I That's just hadn't awful. had a chance. <laughs> it is. I just hadn't had a chance to drop it off at the shop yet. So I dropped it off today, this afternoon. Um, they fixed it super quick. I picked it up. Good. I was on my way home and the drive shaft broke. No. Uh, yeah. And so like, I just, I had to like roll off to the side of the road, um, which is basically that's my car's totaled now. Like it's, it's, it's a 2001 Accord. Um, it's going to cost more to fix that than my car's worth at this point. Okay. I mean, you know, you've got a, a good so. use out of it for sure. <laughs> yeah. How many miles are on it? Uh, over a hundred thousand, like 150,000 ish. Like I, I've oh, definitely okay. gotten my use out of it. Cool. Cool. But, um, you know, like I like case in point, I was certain that everything was fine with my car on the <laughs> way home. And I was like, finally, no fumes. My car is nice and quiet. It sounds like a normal car again. And, yeah. uh, Snap. and now it's not a functioning car anymore. Um, <laughs> 
but the the point of all that is we've been we look for certainty everywhere uh it's just the way our brains work but um they were saying this either Kierkegaard or Tillich was saying that true freedom is is freedom from that when you when you sort of accept the fact that life does not hand you certainty ever mm-hmm. um and you can just sort of live in that gray space of nothing is ever certain so you should this sounds really cliche but like treat every moment as if it's precious because it is and um you know and and so you're just you're never going to find that certainty so stop looking for that to make you happy because that's that's not going to happen so find your yeah. happiness in the mess you know um and so like we're like like you were saying, like some, some days you feel like God exists, but you know, he's an asshole mm-hmm. or sometimes he just doesn't exist. Um, because how could he with, with everything that's going on and, and all this stuff. And I like, I, I find myself sort of oscillating between those two things myself because, um, you know, I, I definitely, I've told the story, I think on the podcast before, but I, I definitely, I had this moment where I realized I definitely didn't want any part of the God I grew up with. Um, because he was vengeful and, and, you know, we would, we would call him like the ultimate father, you know, we'd call him heavenly father growing up. And I always remember thinking like, if, if this was my dad, if my dad acted like this, like somebody would call child services. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's an, he's an abusive drunk asshole. Like if, if that's the kind of father he is, um, because he like, he's, he's vengeful and he's abusive and like, he, he's just crazy. So if that's God, I, I don't want any part of that. I'm, I'm done with that. Um, and I'm fine without him. Yeah. Uh, and then over the years I've, I've been introduced to other versions, uh, of God, some of, some of which I'm very interested in, some of which I'm not interested in at all. Um, some of which I think are just complete bullshit, but so I'm sort of in that space of like, I don't know. I, I mean, nobody knows if, if God really exists or not. I like there are, I have moments where, just like in a moment, I'll feel like there has to be something holding all this together. Like there's gotta be something, I don't know what it is. Um, but I, yeah. I also have the moments where I'm like, things just fucking happen, man. And yeah. so who knows, you know, maybe, maybe there is nothing. I don't know. Um, so how like reconciling that then? Um, so one of you, one of the blog posts you wrote recently, um, which is one of the, one of the other, like, a million things you do uh is <laughs> is write a blog um which is fantastic and run a website called daddy's grounded yeah. um and one of my favorite things that i've read recently uh was on your blog sort of relating to all this um and it was about having the conversation with your kids uh around religion the existence of god how that affects our lives or doesn't um and sort of like humanity uh, you know, the goodness, innate goodness or badness of humanity in relation to all that. Um, so I was, I was wondering if you could like kind of talk us through that and like sort of where your thoughts are on that. Cause that's, I don't have any kids yet, but I plan to. Um, okay. and so this is, this is one of the conversations that I want to have with my children and I want to be as honest as I possibly can. Um, sure. and I, I think this was a great way to do it. I, just like you struggle a lot with kind of where I stand on things. And just like you mentioned before, I don't know and will honestly not ever know until I die, if I end up showing up somewhere else, you know, uh, what really is going on. And I definitely am 
jaded and I feel a bit like an abuse victim when it comes mm-hmm. to all the stuff that went that I went through um, dealing with a lot of churches, particularly um, one church where just a lot of shit happened that didn't have to. Um, and so I'm, I'm number one trying to keep that away from my kid because all of religion is not like that. You know, right. I, I had a really bad experience with one very specific group of people and I have to try very hard not to do what people do and kind of clump everybody together in, in this one group. Like all religion is this, right. which it's not. Um, and like you, uh, and through my friend, Jer, who is a pastor, um, I, we've had some really good conversations about where we came from and m- much more loving, accepting versions of God that are out there with different Christian denominations and um, different religions outside of Christianity as well. And so that's definitely softened me when it comes to my, my feelings in that regard. And so uh, right now, what my wife and I are trying to do, especially with our oldest, because he's five, he's starting to ask a lot of those questions about, well, the other day he was like, well, why are we in this world? That mm. is a, that is a big question, son. Yep. <laughs> you know, um, and, and trying to answer it at an age appropriate level, but also leave it open to his, in, his own interpretation. Sure. You know, uh, bringing a lot of, at least at his age right now, a lot of observations about how wonderful the world can be and how good a lot of people can be. Um, And as he grows up, trying to kind of change that conversation a little bit. Um, The biggest thing I'm trying to do, and my wife as well, is really teach our kids to ask questions, specifically of authority figures. Um, that's so not, important. Not just to go out and ask them because, you know, you get in trouble that way. But yeah. if something comes up or if there is a direction that, like, that does not make sense or that seems wrong, to ask, to confront it, to, to talk to us, to talk to a teacher, um, you know, in age-appropriate ways, we talk about everything. Yeah, the I love human that. body, we talk about um, uh, sex, the differences between sexes, um, trying to kind of explain a bit of the difference between a gender identity and like the gender you're born with. Right. Um, you know, things like that where it's open and he can make his own decisions as he, he grows up. Um, awesome five-year-old kid. Uh, his favorite color is pink. And um, people kind of laugh when I tell him about this, but earlier this year, he, so it, before he went to school last year, we got him a brand new My Little Pony's backpack. It is pink all over. It has sparkles. It is like the the shiniest backpack probably <laughs> in his class uh, all year. And he really didn't get any issues uh, with it until about three quarters of the way through. There was a new kid that huh. came into class, I guess. And um, and he's obviously loving this. Like oh, he's, he's this living is, his best life. Oh, he you know, we went and saw the My Little Pony movie. And That's amazing. Watch, like all this stuff. Like if I guess he'd be a brony, I guess is it. <laughs> You know, I love but, it. Yeah. Um, anyways, like he, this is the best thing ever. And all of a sudden one day he came home and he was like, dad, my backpack is stupid. Like, I don't, I don't like my backpack. Okay. You know what, what happened? He told me about this kid and what he said and it was kind of mean and whatnot. Um, so kind of it, tried to talk to him a little bit about it. Well, you know, it's, he, he thinks this, but this is your backpack and you love this backpack and it doesn't matter what he thinks kind of thing. And the message wasn't getting through obviously that day. He was still really emotional and whatnot. Sure. 
But the funny part is he slept at night. We did our normal morning routine the next morning. And he, on the way to the car, completely unprompted, was like, Daddy. And we'll call him Johnny because that is the kid's name. He's like, Daddy. Johnny's full of shit. <laughs> he said, my backpack is awesome, and I don't care if he likes it or not. I do. I said, you're right. Oh, that's so I said, great. I was like, make sure not to use that language around the teacher. Don't, don't, you know, he started the year going, oh, my God, and by, by three weeks into class, he was going, oh, my goodness, cause, and that wasn't us correcting him, so we huh. knew there was yeah. a little bit going on there, which is fine. It's a Christian school. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um. But like, try not to use that language. But the idea is right. Like, that's your backpack. It's awesome. Keep it that way. That's and, fantastic. You know, it's the small things like that, but they build on each other, right? So once you get older and you can interact with those people, it it makes a difference. Um, and you know, we're very aware of to our own ability, um, the the ways we as people who benefit from white privilege. Mm-hmm. can question authority figures more than people who don't have that benefit. Right. And we have that responsibility to ask those questions and try and right the wrongs that we can individually. Um, so we're kind of heading him, pointing him in that direction, but, you know, a little bit at a time. That's so important, um, especially now. And I, I think, like, because a lot of these issues are starting to sort of, like, really come to a head, um you know, in, in our adult years, like in our, the years that, that we, you and I can like really participate and do something about this stuff. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Like in, in our productive years, this stuff is happening and I think it's amazing. Um, I just had a good friend, uh, Evan Jones on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, and he was talking about being a transgender, um, you know, member of the LGBTQ community. Um, and, uh, you know what that was like growing up in a super ultra conservative Christian you know, home and upbringing, um, and, and sort of all the issues, like we've come a a super long way, but all the issues that surround that still like in, in American culture, um, in a culture that prides itself on being, you know, so progressive and, um, but like, it's, I, I love it. I love that we live in a time now where all of this, it's, it's just like, there's a new thing all the time. Uh And so people talk about it as if it's like exhausting and sometimes it can be, uh, you know, depending on how it's being talked about or, or, or put forth. But I, I love that there's a new thing happening all the time. <laughs> and, and people are saying like, well, this needs recognition and this needs equality. And, and these people, uh, need to be treated as people, um, just people, not like a thing. They need to be treated as people. Yeah. I'm like, I love that all this is happening now. Um, because I, I get to be a part of it, like in, in whatever small way I can, um, and I, I love that you brought up the the aspect of all this, which is, is white privilege. Like I, I say all the time, like I'm, I'm squarely in the demographic. That's not really allowed to talk about all this stuff a lot because I'm a straight white male. And <laughs> so I like, I have just so little experience with all of this, but I, I love that all of this is happening in a time where we can be a part of it, whatever that looks like. Sure. And the, the, the most important thing that I've learned uh, with that is uh, we need to listen. Yes. Now, now we're two straight white guys, so like we can talk about it, and we don't. I mean, we're back and forth. That's cool. But like, there are other people who deal with this on a daily basis, yeah, and who have more experience with it in one week than we have had in our entire lives, right? And that is the most important thing that I've for sure learned is when there is someone who has had that experience, they are the expert. They are the person that we should listen to, right? And 
as practically as the people I follow on Twitter. I have some some friends of mine who are in that demographic that I that I care about very much, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't feel like I need to ask them questions because they're sharing things all the time, and it's my responsibility to help amplify that whatever right. their message is because they know what is best. Exactly. And exactly. I just want to try and help do whatever it is that that they're trying to do. Yes. So, and the other piece of this that I love is that people our age now are having children. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you are having these conversations with your five-year-old son and you're, you're explaining all of this again in an age appropriate way. I mean, like a a five-year-old can't really wrap his head around, you know, genders necessarily, let alone like gender identity and the difference and all that stuff. But it, you know, it comes with age. And so like having those conversations and as he gets older, the, the conversations will change and they'll get, Uh, a little more nuanced and, you know, like, but what I love is that we are, we have the opportunity and you have the opportunity to like teach your kids about this stuff as they're growing up because those kids are going to be our legislators someday. Mm -hmm. And hope the hope is we won't have old, rich, straight white men legislating for people who are not anything like them. Right. But they just have this perception of how everyone is. And so that's how they're legislating. And they're so disconnected. Um, hopefully, with and, and with access to information the way it is now, hopefully, you know, that means that, that we have this generation of it's now that's still a long way off. And we have work to do until then. But Absolutely. hopefully that means we have this generation of people that are like, no, I like not everybody is what you know whatever thing you know not everybody is uh you know uh straight or not everybody is even not even everybody is gay or lesbian or whatever like not everybody is, and you know then moving past that to saying like and it doesn't really matter anyway like everybody is just everybody and people are just people and people are going to do whatever they do and you know like i i was saying this too but i feel like we, we like we put so much not to say it's not important. All of these conversations are important, but I feel like we hang too much identity on sexuality and sexual orientation and all that stuff. Um, and I, I feel like we lose, we lose some of our humanity or the perception of some of the humanity of people when we hang all that identity in those things. Um, because people are just people at their core anyway. Um, I, I understand where you're going with that, but I am going to disagree with you. That's fine. I, I want to hear why. Well, I, because, you know, when you think about being human, a large part of being human is your, your sexuality and your sex drive and the whole way you identify yourself within that gender identity. And those, and those two things are separate. But a large part of how people define themselves is that way. And if you take away that particular definition of who they are, you take away half of who they are. You know, that's entirely fair. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's entirely so, fair. And I like, I, I, so you got, you guys are hearing this on the podcast. I'm changing my mind as we speak. <laughs> um, because I like, I haven't thought about it that way, but you're entirely right. That, that is a large part of our identity as humans. Um, so I think, I think more, I think the more appropriate thing would be to say, just it's like, can we just 
accept as a, a fact that everybody is going to express themselves in their sexuality in every other way, however they express themselves. And we don't need to like normalize any, we don't need to like quantify something as normal and something is not normal. We, everything should just be fine. Everything should just be what it is. However, people choose to express it. Sure. I, I mean, think, I think that's where I'm headed with that. No, no, that, that, that makes sense. I'm, I'm cool with, I mean, if you're of legal age, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I, I, I think more to like, uh, I tend to think very, uh, very libertarian ish, um, about things like this. Um, really only about things like this. Cause I think libertarianism lends itself to some crazy things, but, uh, you know, if, if, like you said, if you're of legal age, if you're not hurting me, just fucking do what you're going to do. Who cares? You know, like you're going to do what you do. Like if that's what you enjoy. And if other people enjoy it, go for it and everything's fine. Just don't, you know, don't hurt people. But, um, yeah, man. So I like all that to say, I, I really like that. I like that philosophy about raising children. Um, and I, I like that you're having those, those conversations. You don't need my approval, but I, I, I like I'll take it. it. I think I it's mean, great. that's cool. You approve. I'll take it. That's cool. Um, and I, I can tell you, uh, I already read your blog. Um, I'm sorry regularly, but, uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Um, but I, I think I probably will more regularly, uh, when I have kids or like when I'm like closer to that, uh, that stage. So it's, it's already been helpful. So I'm glad to hear it. I'm, I'm I love glad it. someone's someone's found some value in that. Do you plan to write a book ever? You know, you're like the, the 21st person to ask me that. So I'm sure I need to. Um, it's definitely something that's like on my list of life goals. Yeah. Um, cur- uh, currently it's not in the cards, but it's definitely something I want to work on. We're, we're moving soon into a home with, um, more space. And I mean, right now I'm doing this interview in our kitchen, which is connected to, to the dining room and the, the, um, living room and everyone else in the house is quiet because we're talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> the kids are sleeping. My wife was supposed to be working, but she's like, well, I'm, I gotta get up early anyways. I'm gonna go to bed. Um, but I'll have like my own space once we move at the, right like, the end of August. And so I'm, I'm planning to do a little more of those things. Cool. Um, like you've talked about before with a lot of my background and experience with things online, I have like half a dozen classes I want to uh, put up online with showing people to set up uh, websites, how to do a 360 yeah. tour somewhere because I have fun with that. And, you know, if I can help other people with that, I think that'd be awesome. But I have not been able to do that because I don't have the space yet. Right. But I will soon. So I hope to write a book to answer your, your question. I Man, I'd love it. I think you got it in you for sure. Um, so Thanks. you I, you have one buyer here whenever that whenever that comes around. That's so good. So I have about two dozen people I know I can I can sell those copies. And Perfect. There you that. go. <laughs> um, and that's that's a whole first run. So yeah, first, all your first editions are sold out. <laughs> um, well, cool, man. So uh, I so now I'm curious um, okay. to talk about uh, like all of the many, many, many things you do. So we've alluded to a few of them. 360 tours, brewerryfinder.org um, daddy's grounded, uh, a few things. So, um, I just, I kind of like, I kind of want to hear like all the stuff you got going on and like what you're doing. I think the 360 tours are cool, but like you got, you get, you just have a ton. You're one of the busiest people I know. 
I, uh, I, you know, I got to really try and cool. make things happen because I mean, working in nonprofits, <laughs> at least the ones that I've been in are not profitable. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so like I'm, I'm making about what I made 10 years ago. Um, so I need to do a lot of these other things to kind of, you know, help make ends meet. Sure. And so the 360 tours have been a lot of fun. I fell into that by accident like two years ago or so. I don't remember why I ended up buying the camera, but it was like, it was affordable. It was on sale. I had some money. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it. And it kind of took off. I was able to start uh, my own kind of freelance thing where I go to breweries or I've gone to like veterinarians offices or libraries and done tours and put them up on Google. And obviously that helps them out. And then, you know, my name gets out there a little bit more. Um, the new Ballast Point location in Chicago. I went yeah. the, the day before it opened and did a tour for them. And I don't know if they've been open like two months or something. And I've yeah. got almost 125,000 views on the tour. That's great. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy with that. You know, I just passed a million views on my tours collectively over the last two years on Google. And that, that's pretty cool. That's amazing. Um, how a lot of this, go it's, ahead. it's so crazy to me how often I hear people, like when people are doing things that like, you know, like when you say you do 360 tours, like I, I know people are like, Oh, that's really cool. Like, I'm sure you've heard that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is, it's a really cool thing, but it's, it's amazing to me how often people that are doing things like that say, Oh, I just sort of like happened into it. And I like, I know you're saying that as sort of like, a, you know, it, it did just sort of come along, but like, you're like, you're, you're seeking these opportunities out and like, you're, you know, like you're doing things to make all of this possible. So like, Oh, sure. I you mean, know. with, with a lot of the blogging stuff I do, um, uh, I've been blogging off and on since the late nineties, but never really taken seriously or I'd have a much larger following. <laughs> um, but I got kind of serious about it at least and, and was a regular blogger for the last five years or so since I had a kid. I, my first blog post was I think October like 13 or 12. I'd have to look it up. Um, but just about like, my, I'm going to be a father. This is what my thoughts are. And it was about a miscarriage right hmm. before we had Wesley, we had, um, we had a miscarriage and going through all the feelings about that. And there weren't a lot of posts at the time from the father's point of view about, about yeah. really losing an entire future. You know, what could this, this, this child have been or meant yeah. to our family or to my responsibilities or my experiences for the future and kind of processing all that. And it's gone two ways. One where a lot of my, my personal feelings go into it and we tell stories and, you know, we have cute pictures from a trip to the zoo we did or a couple years ago. My wife and I went on our 10th wedding anniversary. We didn't have childcare, so we took Wesley, Wesley with us. Um, and we were with him and as a family in uh, Madrid for like four days. It was That's a great. lot of fun. And so we've got all these photos and, you know, home movie kind of things. And the other end of it is um, the blogger, ambassador, influencer type things where I'll get... Um, a product and talk about it. And usually they're positive reviews. Every once in a while, I hate something so much. I'll contact the, <laughs> the manufacturer be like, you know, I, I would really not, I would rather not write about this because, you know, I don't like your product. Um, and, and then we kind of, you know, deal with it, it that way. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's how the 360 tour thing came about. Um, that's I cool. They, maybe they sent it to me. It's like I said, it's been a while. I don't remember exactly how that happened. Um, but one of the things that I have done, I've done a couple of commercials. I don't know if you've seen those or not. Um, I don't know if I have. Uh, last year, 
maybe a year and a half ago, through my blogging context, somebody posted in one of the groups I'm in. I was like, hey, guys, um, you know, I've got this PR agency. They're working with a group that's doing a media campaign about migraines. If anybody, you know, suffers from migraines and wants to talk to them, here's the number, follow up. And so I did because I've had migraines since I was a kid. And um, one thing led to another. And the the first thing that happened is they flew me to New York and we did a three-day <clears throat> I did a three-day trip there and we taped uh for about an hour and a half um just talking about my life and experience with migraine and and those sorts of things and they were ads that were on the air once once they that was in February and once they hit the market in like June hmm. I started getting texts from people like hey I was on CNN or I was on um Hulu and your face popped up like what, oh, that's what's crazy. up with this like I didn't know you had migraine like it's this whole thing where um, officially I guess I'm a spokesperson for the speak your migraine campaign <laughs> is what they call it and it's a group uh, Amgen and Novartis are working together and you know I got paid to be to be a part of it um, but I told all my own experiences and one of the things I love about it is I'm not repping the medicine that they have that's coming out soon you know I'm, I'm repping the fact that you know, I suffer from migraine and I've found my own treatment that works for me and I sure. encourage other people to do that. And so then last last year, um, the end of last year, they flew Jeremy and I out to L.A. and we got to be in Hollywood on on set to tape a second set of commercials. That was That's a awesome. Lot of fun. Um, and then we've done some speaking engagements about it to different uh, doctors groups and conferences and things. And it's just kind of sharing my own story. You know, this, these are my my triggers and these are my backup plans and you know if you suffer from that you should talk to your doctor you should do your own thing and there's yeah. this whole that's so line cool. of things i need to hit but it's a lot of fun and it's it's doing something that's helpful for people yeah you know that's so cool good. i'm gonna have to look those speak your migraine i'm gonna have to yeah. look mm-hmm. i gotta look those up okay cool so yeah there's a website and it's on facebook and all that stuff so very cool um cool so like you the 360 tours that is it is it um well, I guess it's not mostly. Is it mostly breweries or like it's you, you'll say, do it for anyone that like wants to bring you in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got it, uh, you know, to pimp my own stuff, a cheap 360 to, cheap 360 Um You can see all the things that I've done. Yeah. I'd say probably half of what I've done have been breweries because um, with the brewerefinder.org, it helps for us to have <laughs> custom tours on the site, you know, sure. like it, it, populated on google and have our name out there and stuff but then like i said we've done stuff for for churches and uh, doctor's offices and vets and all kinds of different places libraries recently um i've done a few of those too so the libraries one is interesting to me yeah right i mean it's it's really kind of weird but i love it to be in a library before they open and like it's there's nobody there except me and like one staffer that lets me indoors and turns lights on and stuff um, and it's cool just to like look around and see the skylights and the yeah. books and the study areas. And it's, and, that's, that's one, yeah. that's one organization that I never would have thought of like requesting a 362 or, uh, or, you know, something like that. I just, you just don't think of people like looking at a, a library 362 or online, but that's just because they hardly exist. And I think if they did yeah. exist, I probably would look at those. If there was a 360 tour of my library, like right around the corner, I probably would look at it. Well, and it's helpful too, because a lot of people don't realize a lot of libraries have 
community rooms you can rent out or reserve for right. your group and go in and talk about it. Or, you know, these newfangled ones, I sound like an old person, but these, these kids nowadays, <laughs> they can go into, uh, there's one by my house that I did recently that they've got a 3D printer. You can go in and register and like print stuff or uh, they've got a whole the podcast room. It's got an iMac and a nice Yeti mic and the whole setup and you can rent it for like an hour or two hours at a time. That's amazing. Record a little show if you want and edit it and, you know, post it right there from the library, which I think is awesome. That is cool. Yeah. Our, incidentally, the, the company I work for, um, their first office was in our local library here. Uh, nice. they just, they were just doing business out of those quiet rooms, um, in the library, which is okay. hilarious. And now we're at like, we just actually had our company summit. We're at like 500 employees now. Um, oh, it's that's crazy. Awesome. Started back in like 2013, I think. Um, so yeah, just like, you know, and before that, I never would have known that you could do stuff like that in a library either. Uh, but it's, uh-huh. you know, it's just kind of cool. Um, so, uh, as if it's it's not enough, the blogging and the being a dad and the 360 tours and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. What else you got going on? Is there are you doing anything else? Uh, like I said, I will. We're moving in, in six weeks. Okay. Um, my my wife and I will have um, both her mother-in-law and then my father um, living in a four bedroom. Nice big basement for the kids to run around backyard and stuff, which will be great. And that's going to you know, number one, keep me busy. It'll be good for family. And it'll yeah. also give me, I'm sure things to blog about. And, um, good deal. I'm, I'm prepping for a daily video blog. Um, I don't have a release date. It's something I've been thinking about for a while, something super short, but enough that I, I want to be able to kind of like document my own life. Um, which might sound a little vain, but I guess if I don't do it, who will? And I think exactly. at, least my, at least my kids in the future will, We'll, uh, we'll care about it. Um, I've got a podcast of my own that I was really adamant about uh, last fall, and then I got busy and I haven't done anything since with it. But um, it's called Friends Beer Coffee. Um, I've done about six episodes where the whole idea is for me to be able to talk to people that I haven't talked to in a long time and have a reason to call them. Yeah. I actually, so, I listened to a couple episodes of that. I, okay, I'm a fan. Yeah. I like your format. Thanks. Um, now that I have the Yeti mic, it'll sound better because yeah. it's real, the real shitty mic on just my iPhone is what I started with. But And I, yeah, I love it, that it, premise for a podcast, too. Just a reason to call somebody you haven't talked to in a while. Absolutely. Like, I've not I've not talked to you in eight years, but, like, I would love to call and let's just chat and, and hang and hang out online and just yeah, cool. catch up. And at a two-hour conversation turns into a really interesting 35 minutes for people who probably don't know who we are. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it serves this purpose, and I've got like a bulk hosting plan, so it's not like my one site's going to make a difference whether it gets a lot of traffic or not. But right, well, that's cool, man. And this is all this is all on top of your day job, right? Yeah, I work about forty five to fifty hours a week um, at a church in the western suburbs. I do. I joke that everything that I do there is is basically if it, electricity runs through it and it's not the heating and cooling system, I'm somehow responsible for it. Huh? That's, I feel and, like that's how a lot of churches function. <laughs> it's yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I do all the marketing stuff. I do a lot of the network stuff. Um, they just installed a new security system. So I was helping there with the getting people, you know, dealing with that. And there's a school attached. So I've gone in and read to the kids for, you know, story time and stuff, which is fun. Cause it's always, it's nice for me to go in and you know, there's my kid and I get to read the story to the group. And yeah, um, back to the, the gender thing we talked about. There's a book that I got 
and I haven't posted the review yet, but I, I need to. It's called Pink is for Boys. And it's a really simple book based on, I think it's like like five to eight year olds or something. And the whole premise is like colors are for everyone. It, you know, if you like blue, it doesn't mean you're a boy. And if you like pink, it doesn't mean you're a girl kind of thing. Yeah. And I was super shocked, honestly, to in this pre-K classroom reading the story. At the end, they always talk about the stories. And half the class thought it was great. But the other half was was very adamant about gender stereotyping now and how, well, if it's pink, you can't like pink if you're a boy. And they were very adamant about this. And so that's going to, I guess, go into my, <laughs> my review for it coming up. But it just came out like two weeks ago, and it was a real huh. conversation starter for these kids. And that's cool. I don't know. My my eyes opened up about it. But it was it's a, it's a really super cute book about you know, you can yeah. have any kind of favorite color you want and it's cool. I like that. And these are, um, these kids are like eight, nine. No, these kids are like four or five. This is preschool. Oh, okay. 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 So like even younger. And that's wow, why that's it was surprising to me that like, dude, these kids, yeah. I mean, they learned it from somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. It was interesting because they have all these kids lined up on a rug. And then I sat on a, a chair in the front of the room and read this book and turned the, the pages so they could see it as I read it. And they're like one or two line pages. So it's really quick to get through. And one of the things that stick, stuck out to me at the end of it was there was a girl, uh, you know, four year old, probably maybe five, um, who was very adamant at the end that was like, no, it's it's OK. Like my sister is. 12 or whatever she was she's older like and her favorite color is blue and so if that's cool with her like i can like blue and i'm a girl and it's fine and it was funny to see them like go back and forth and, yeah i i would love to be there to see like see these just little minds sort of warring it out with each other right and exploring these ideas um not because i think it's cute when kids are like entrenched in gender stereotypes at four or five <laughs> but it's it's because I love seeing their little brains work through things. And I, I love that half of the class was like, no, what are you talking about? This is totally fine. And the other half right. is like, no, my dad said, you know, or my mom said, um, I do. I would just love to witness that like debate, you know, like let's sure. set up some rules, get a moderator and let's have a debate between four and five year olds about that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, dude, so I, I have to say here, so you're doing all this stuff on top of your day job on top of having two very young children um, yeah. and, and a wife that travels a lot. So you're like at home a bunch with the kids. People so, get me confused with the stay at home dad all the time. I mean, I, I do stay with the kids most of the time. I'm the one that puts them to bed usually and gives them dinner, brushes the teeth and like the whole nine yards. Um, so it's funny because as a blogger, you, once you get on some of these PR lists, they sure they just send you these things that they kind of build on top of each other. And so somehow along the line, I got confused with a stay at home dad, which I'm fine with, but I think that kind of plays into the stereotypes a little bit like, well, if sure. I'm an involved father with my kids, I must be a stay at home dad. Sure. Like, you know, it's not normal within American society to have someone that works that often, but then also has all this time with their kids too. You know, I yeah. mean, I think probably my only optional thing is sleep and, some days it's not, but but usually it is. You know yeah. that's that's the one thing that that loses out to to everything else. 
Yeah. And so I, I don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm like putting you in that box of like stay at home dad. I don't, I don't mean to oh, like, I don't, I didn't take it that way either. Okay. I just felt like I needed to like put that in there. No. Yeah. That's totally fine. I, yeah. So like, I, I'm, I, I guess I'm just saying like, I, I admire you and I'm impressed with how much you're able to sort of juggle and do and find time for. And I guess you like, uh, a old boss of mine years ago used to say, you don't find time, you make time. Um, so I, I guess yeah. that's, that's sort of what you're doing. You're making time for things that are important to you. And I think that's great. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think you are proof that I talk to people all the time and they're like, well, you know, I would love to do this or that, but you know, I work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, whatever. And so I don't have time. Um, and I, I think you're proof that that's, that's just not the case. Uh, people have time to do yeah, what they I want mean, to do. It's true. Right. If you, if you want to do something, if it's important to you, you can make it happen. Yeah. You know, my, my wife's a, uh, what's called a baby wearing educator. She's part of baby wearing international, which is a group that, that teaches moms and dads and, and caregivers to be able to literally wear your baby on you, whether it's a soft structure carrier or you've got like this long piece of fabric that you can do this fancy wrap and mm-hmm. your baby or your young child is attached to you. So you have your hands free to do housework or, or studying or like whatever it is you do. So you can do that. And, you know, I'm working on a new website for the, the local group because as a technology person, I'm like, I could do something better than what you have <laughs> in my sleep. And I don't want to offend anyone by saying that. But, you know, so I'm like, well, I'll volunteer to do that because I think it's important yeah. and it's important to be able to help people out like that. So, yeah, back to your point. I mean, if it's important and, and you want to find time for it, you can find time for it. Yeah, I like that. Uh, speaking of so like your your wife is uh a, f- a flight attendant um yes. and she's also a ba- baby wearing educator which i uh-huh. did not know is a thing until this moment it's a thing. and that's you so can even, cool it's, there's a whole like there's a whole big group of of people and there's a like probably three or four organizations i think but like two big ones that you go through this whole process of training and stuff and you can actually get certified in in doing that to make sure that airways are okay for the kids and they're comfortable and you don't have to worry about their hips getting damaged if you don't wear them correctly. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's more complicated than I ever got into, but I respect her greatly for, for knowing everything that she does. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think that's great. I like you are both such like doing people, if that makes sense. Like you guys are just doing stuff. Um, (laughs) and you both seem very inquisitive. Um, like how did, how did you guys meet? Like it's, I feel like it's so rare that two people that are this like, just doing stuff inquisitive minds like end up meeting and like getting together sure uh that's one of the things that came out of us both being in church that was really good is is we met at uh a church a youth group Hmm. um i she was uh best friends with my youngest sister for a long time and for a long time, I was just like, oh, well, you know, Abigail's here. She's in the house, whatever. <laughs> like, they're doing their thing. Um, and it and then all of a sudden, it was, oh, Abigail's at the house. Well, no. What happened is she she was uh, 19 and moved to Europe to become an au pair. So all of a sudden, after, what, five or six years of You guys are the coolest. The you guys are seriously the, the coolest. All the time, she, she just wasn't there. And I was like... I miss, I miss that girl. Like <laughs> she was really, so I, long story short, I ended up going over there for a few months and, um, 
we dated long distance and stuff, and then I convinced her to come back to the U.S. and marry me. And that's great. That's, that's what happened after that. That's such a great story. You guys, you guys are literally so cool. <laughs> I just, Thanks. I want to be that cool. I think that's great. Um, man, I love that. And I love that you're both like doing stuff and like, you're, you're just it. Like, I like it when people find things they're interested in and then like actually go after it, uh, instead of it's being nice. like, Oh, that might be interesting. Um, cause I think that's such a boring thing to do to just be like, I think I might be interested in that. And then just sort of leave it at that. Uh, yeah, no, both of us are very much go-getters. If we decide that that's something we're interested in, it's like, that's it, you know? Um, yeah, I like that. I, I've been a Star Trek fan <laughs> my entire life, and I probably have my dad to blame for that, but I'm okay <laughs> with that because I'm a big fan. And years, we got married in 06, I think. Um, so I was a big fan for the first three years of our marriage, and like she wanted nothing to do with Star Trek. It's... <laughs> not, it had nothing to do with nerdy stuff. I mean, she's a Doctor Who fan and everything, but Star Trek just wasn't her thing. And it wasn't until the J.J. Abrams reboot came out in 09 where Abigail was on a trip in, like, uh, where was she? Uh, Pennsylvania, I think. And I called her up, and I'm like, hey, I found this thing online where they are giving away a block of tickets. Uh, if I can get some tickets and we can go to the premiere, like, would we do that? And it was like 300 tickets. There's like nothing huh. when you can consider, you know, a brand new uh, reboot of yeah. a franchise like that. There's nothing. So she's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead and get it. Um, it, You know, it doesn't matter that it's in Sydney, Australia. You're not going to get it. So you're not going to have to worry <laughs> about it. So at the time I had my like my three computers open and my phone and everything else trying to get it. And I got two tickets. So all That's of a sudden she's like, she's like, oh shit, we got to figure out how to fly to Sydney <laughs> to go to this thing that like he likes, but I'm not really into. Um, but long story short, we flew to Sydney, Australia and saw the opening of the 2009 Star Trek with J.J. Abrams in person and Very cool. Brian Burke was there, Chris Pine. There was a number of them that were there and we saw the movie and she's like, this is really cool. And I shit you not, we got back and I think it was on Netflix then and she went through everything wow i mean it took some time but yeah we're, i mean we're less kind of people she got into star trek and it was like boom just like you know five series and hundreds of episodes and everything but wow nicely done yeah right it, it turned out really well for me because yeah you know i uh, both like star trek a lot cecilia my wife and i on our first date um star wars came up and it turns out she's not a big star wars fan and i have yet to win her oh, no. over in that manner um, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to just have to pull out all the stops and do something like that. And, and maybe I can get her into it. There you go. That's the way to do it. Apparently. I mean, you got, you got to get to know somebody at Disney and, and bring her to some big event and then she'll like it. All right. I'm going to start making some phone calls. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm either going to get to be best friends with somebody at Disney or I'm going to get barred from the park. You uh, never know. You never know. I've been trying very passively for a couple of years. It hasn't happened, but who knows? All right. Well, you we'll may, see. If, you may have better luck. We'll see if an aggressive approach works, or if it good. turns out worse. Um, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll let you know my findings. Okay. Good. I, I look forward to that report. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, what I want to ask you now is, um, so like we were talking a little bit about this like before you came on, and I so I didn't want to blindside you with this. Um, so this is the this is the one question you knew that was coming. Um, but uh, so the, the title of the podcast is Good Humans. Um, and uh, I, I, I say that the tagline of the podcast is exploring better ways to be human. Um, 
And sort of when, like, if a friend asks me what the podcast is about, uh, the long answer is that, um, you know, I, I give them a little bit about like how I grew up and how religion didn't teach me any of the practical things about being a good human. I didn't get sure. any of that from religion or, or how I grew up. Um, and it all sort of came afterwards when, when I found out it was okay to ask questions like you were talking about and explore all these ideas. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I want to do here. Um, either just sort of by myself, talk through something that, that I've been thinking about, or, you know, having somebody on that I, I think is a good human, um, and just sort of like picking their brain about what that looks like. So, um, in sort of from your perspective and your experience in your life, uh, what do you feel like being a good human looks like? What is it? How do you do it? Um, and just like, what, what, what do you feel like that means to you? That's another big question. So you can sort of answer this however you want. Right. I mean, I think the overall is everybody has their own realm of influence, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone has either friends or family or they're in charge of a group or a company or a country and everyone has their own, group of people that they can influence for the positive. That could be something as simple as, you know, providing pizza on a Friday night because the youth group is hanging out and they need something to do other than drugs. You know what That's I mean? That's right. <laughs> um, or it could be someone who's the leader of a country that, that really should do everything they can do to make sure that their citizens are well taken care of. And I think that in order to be a good human, you need to take advantage of whatever realm of influence you have and increase the quality of life that those people around you have. Um, Personally, I do that with trying to raise good kids and it's definitely a team effort between my wife and I and uh, now my mother-in-law and my, my father coming into the picture, you know, it's, it's a team effort where we're all not necessarily always on the same page, but we talk about it and we kind of work through that and, and come out on the other end with hopefully, uh, you know, a better set of kids than we had beforehand. And when we release them out into the wild, <laughs> they, they end up making the world a better place. And that could just simply be, again, having that small influence uh, within their friends and family. And hopefully that ripples out into something bigger. Um, with a populace that that is well educated and and well paid and can take care of the environment around them and that sort of thing and that obviously reaches out into much bigger realms but i think it all starts really small well you're, you're talking about a utopia there joel i don't you I, gotta have goals <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i mean hey i'm a star trek fan we believe in that all right yeah and, and then and then the romulans come and fuck it up but you right. know, it's, we yeah then we, we gotta explore other other places to live because <laughs> uh this one gets trashed no i i love that and i i think that's a um i think that's a big answer for a big question um and so the like the the pattern i'm starting to notice when i talk to people either on the podcast or off about this idea is um the idea that this it seems like a big question and it, it really i mean it's it's really the question i think um when it comes down to it like how like how do we just be better to each other um sure. cuz you know there's a pretty good chance that this may be all we have uh so this probably should be as good as it should be and if could it's be. not you want a good report card exactly you need <laughs> right? you need to have a good it's, record going into the next is, thing 
this is this is a a win win situation one way or the other. Like exactly. being good to other people and being a good human, like like the title of your podcast is, it, it nobody gets hurt. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Rob, I follow Rob Bell quite a bit, um, and I love him. I think he's a genius. I think if anybody is the future of American or just modern Christianity in general, I think it's Rob Bell. Um, he he holds everything with such open handedness. I love it. Um, but one of the things he says is, are you going to partake in the ongoing creation of the world? Uh, or are you going to partake in its ongoing destruction? Um, and so there's like these, you know, these two battling forces. And if you're partaking in the ongoing, uh, construction of the world and the ongoing creation of the world, um, really all you're doing is you're creating a better place for you to live as well as everybody else. So absolutely it's, it is a win-win. But the pattern I'm seeing is <clears throat> for this huge concept, this big question, a lot of what it's coming down to is like these small um, sort of pieces like like you were saying, like you whether your platform is big or small, um, you know, whether it's a million people or, or 10 people, um, you know, improving things for those people, whoever they are, those people Um and it could be just, you know, it could, it could not, it doesn't necessarily have to be a leadership position. It could be just friendships. Um, it could be Absolutely. kids, like you were saying. Um, but just making sure that you are as positive a force in those situations as, as you can be and making things as good as they can be in that situation. I think that's so great. That's yeah. And, and sometimes it's as simple as making a topic of conversation that is typically, taboo more acceptable yeah um one of the things with i did some work with netflix as an ambassador for a while and you know they've got that 13 reasons why tv show Mm -hmm. and and everyone has their own uh, opinion on what it does or what it says and that sort of thing but the general idea i want to get across is it's more okay now i think to talk about suicide and the issues surrounding it than it was before yeah and if you can have a conversation with someone like that, it can help. It doesn't always help, but it's good for a friend who's having an issue like that to be able to know that they have someone to talk to. I had a conversation with a friend of mine recently that was like, dude, I was going home from I was going home from my job and I was at the train station and I had a decision to make. I was so glad that he didn't make that decision, but yeah. we talked about it later and it was really um, encouraging to know that I was part of the group of friends that he talked to and and felt safe to talk with that subject about. That's amazing. Um, and it, you know, I didn't do anything about it, but it, it, as as a as a culture, it's it's nice to be able to know that we can take some of those things that are taboo and make them more normalized, and so we can get rid of some of those those harsh consequences that are out there for decisions that people can make that are avoidable. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's so unproductive and so unhealthy to just sort of act like some of this stuff doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I feel like that's what conservative America has done just for decades uh, is if we don't like something, we just act like it doesn't exist. And it doesn't change the fact that it. Right, right. And it doesn't doesn't change the fact that it does exist. Um, But what it does is it prevents it from coming up in quote unquote polite conversation. Mm-hmm. Those states that, that offer, you know, um, contraceptives are states that have less unwanted pregnancies. Yeah. It's just a fact. But they talk about it and they deal with it. And like, yeah. 
you know, there are reasons that people have kids or want to avoid having kids and can't because of larger societal rules or, or those in power deciding to push it off the side, ignore it and say, Oh no, that doesn't exist. But then it becomes more prevalent because they're not getting the information out there. Yeah. I, it's funny you brought this up. I, I actually was just, um, I got coffee with a friend of mine. Um, he's a friend now he used to be, uh, uh, an, uh, authority figure, uh, an elder, if you will. Um, but he, he works, uh, at the, at the college I used to attend, um, and, uh, still works there, but, uh, we got coffee recently. Um, he's a really great guy, very, like a, a very intelligent person. Um, and, and much more open-minded than most of the people that are still there. Um, but we were sort of having this conversation around, um, like, uh, it's again, it's a heavy topic, but like abortion and contraceptives and unwanted pregnancies and like all of the nuance that goes on there and, and the lack of, um, acknowledgement of that nuance when people sort of like make it a political thing, um, all of a sudden when it becomes a political issue, there's no, there's no nuance. It's all black and white. Um, and, and that's unfortunate. It is unfortunate and it's, it's not productive and, and nothing productive happens in those conversations on either side. Um, right. when, when you agree, when you agree to those rules of, okay, let's talk about this in very definitive concrete terms. Uh, then like you just threw all the, all the productivity out the window, uh, yeah. and everybody's going to walk away frustrated. But so we were talking about this and one of the things he brought up was like you you have like you have people that that cannot afford to or do not want to have children for whatever reason um and but because of either lack of funding or lack of education or a combination of the two um and a, like a lack of access just basically in general uh, those people then have the decision to make of do we deny a basic human function uh, of expressing expressing our sexuality or do we partake in that, which is part of the human experience and hope mm-hmm. for the best, um, which is not a choice anybody should have to make ever. Right. Um, but then on the flip side of that, you like you have a total lack of, of funding and lack of support for the, the children that do get put up for adoption, the children that are in foster homes. Um, and that like, that's just a a terrible broken system, uh, in itself. Mm -hmm. So you're sort of creating the problem by saying, don't you dare get an abortion? Um, or, and I, I'm, I do not mean at all for one second to imply that, unwanted pregnancy is the only reason that abortion occurs. Uh, That's, I know that's not the case, but by, by neglecting the, the need for like access and education, um, and, and funding and all that on that side of it, then you're, we have this problem of children that are, are going through the foster system or are being put up for adoption, um, or, you know, whatever the case may be. And we're also neglecting that issue, uh, because that's just, that's a terrible system as well. And so you're, you're telling these people, well, these are, these kids are your responsibility. You got to take care of them. And they're saying we cannot. And then we're saying, okay, well then we're going to take care of them, but then we're not taking care of them. Well, Um, and then, you know, I mean, really, honestly, I think it's, 
it's a pro birth movement. It's not a pro life movement. You know, they're they're not oh, that's into being able to take care of the kids once they're born. They're not into giving parental support yeah. for time off, for child care, for being able to bond with their children. They're not okay with taking care of the kids' educational needs as they're growing up, unless they're from affluent areas. Right. It's it's completely ridiculous, and it's it's a it's a bold faced lie to call it pro life when all they're doing is protecting that fetus or that child until it's born. And then they're like, fuck you, figure it out. Like, yeah. don't be a lazy ass. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Sorry, you don't have any boots. <laughs> yeah. Figure it out. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Yeah. That's, I love looking at it that way. I've never heard it put that way. It's a pro birth movement and not a pro life movement, but absolutely. I mean, generally, and this will split people, but generally, if you're, you know, if you're a pro birth, you are not uh, anti gun. You right. know, you, you would rather have someone own a gun than take that gun away and protect school children. You know, right. you would rather start a war and fund wars than you would fund the educational or health systems. It it's it's a it's a broad brush to paint with, but it's generally true and it's it's very sad. Yeah, I agree. Um man, you you <laughs> I wish I could find something to disagree with you on. Um, because I feel like that would make a, a more interesting conversation, but I I completely agree with you. <laughs> sorry, everyone listening, we're um, really sorry we wasted an hour of your time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but not really, because I I had a good time anyway. Um Me too. But yeah, that's that's a really interesting way to look at it. But that's that's essentially what I think both of us were getting at in that conversation. Uh at the coffee shop is there's like we just we don't quote unquote, you know, America doesn't want to quote unquote see babies killed, but they also don't necessarily want to see them live either. Yeah. They just want to see them not killed. Um, but you know, whatever happens to them after that is, is whatever. Um, anyway, that's a whole other thing too, but, um, back to, <laughs> I don't even know how we got there. Um, no, I know. We got right? there. It's, it's one of those, com- I've been talking with my dad for a long time. He, I want to have him on my podcast because I, it, from what we were talking about earlier, like I did not know about it really anything other than the, the boy girl dynamic until my dad came out as gay when I was in high school and huh. what harmed a lot of the positive aspects of my religious experience up to that point was how those in power within the religious structure that I was in dealt with my dad and completely disowned him. He was a pastor of the church and they told him he could, Hey, he had to leave. Um, It was the old way of viewing, you know, if you're gay, you must be a pedophile, which is absolutely not true. Yeah. But that that is exactly how they treated him because he was the children's pastor never had anything go wrong, never had any questions. The parents all loved him. The kids loved him. All he did was come out as like, this is who I am. And they completely disowned him and all this stuff happened. And that's really where a lot of my questions and understanding came from Yeah, that point. I mean, I, I was taught up until that point that if you were not heteronormative, you were just this absolute monster. And I knew my dad. Yeah. And he wasn't that. He's the most kind and loving and forgiving person I've ever met. Um, and he has had some people be absolutely horrible to him. But he still has this kind, gentle, Harry Potter-like Hufflepuff type <laughs> personality that I, no one else I know has. And so 
Isn't that great? That's so admirable. Yeah, it, it really is. And if if you're going to have a Christian in your life, my dad is always an example. Like he's not perfect, but he'll forgive people even if they've done the most fucked up thing. I love that. And it's it's something to I think aspire to. And he's held on to his faith um even through all Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean I'm the one out there that's like fuck that. I'm <laughs> I'm angry like all this other stuff and he's like, "You know, I'm not really there yet because and he'll quote this theolo- uh, theologian about this or that. And I mean he uh he was finishing his master's degree before some health issues took over and he, and he couldn't huh. he couldn't do that. But yeah, no, he like he's still adamantly a believer and I I respect him greatly for that. I respect that a lot too. Um I, I think that speaks volumes to the the person that he is. I, I, yeah. I think that's great. Um, I, 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 I know nothing about your dad other than what you just told me, but I'm, I'm already go. a fan. Um, so I'd, <laughs> I'd love it if you had him on your podcast. Cause I'd like to, I'd like to hear more about him. Absolutely. That's, I mean, he's like hopefully one of my next guests. So cool. Cool. Um, all right, man. Well, I, I've so enjoyed this conversation. I think we need to do it again, maybe at some point. Um, sounds great. Cause I feel like there's a ton of, other things that we didn't dig into um that we probably could have so sure uh we'll we'll make up a, a part two at some point awesome. um <clears throat> so uh i want to make sure like because you you're doing a lot of really really cool stuff so i want to make sure people know like where to find all of it um and what it is so if you don't mind um sure just like tell us where to find all of your many many things that you do so the easiest way to do this is to go to my personal site which is joel j-o-e-l at gratzik it's g-r-a-t-c-y-k dot com and from there you'll see links to uh brewerifinder.org which is the brewery directory that i we've got about eight thousand breweries listed in the u.s and canada we'll be expanding to europe soon fingers crossed um I also have a site called brewery.work uh, that lists probably 30 to 40 brewery jobs um, for people looking to get into the industry. Uh, it's a nice a nice way to kind of get started that way. Most of it's focused in Chicago. Cool. Um, some of it is kind of starting out in L.A., New York, that sort of thing. Obviously, I've got a dad blog, uh, daddiesgrounded.com. That talks about a lot of my personal experiences as a parent. Um, my wife flying as a flight attendant, and then I'm home with the kids, um, reviewing things, going on family trips and that sort of thing. Um, and then Cheap360Tours.com, where I do a lot of 360 tours, breweries, uh, doctor's offices, things like that we've already talked about. Um, and then just some random things I've done with uh, a few plugins I've created for WordPress and stuff like that. So, uh, cool. yeah, that's, that's the place to go. I love it, man. Um, Thanks. And I, I hope... I'm not wishing more like work and less sleep on you, but I, I hope you continue <laughs> to do super cool things in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Um, when I get any closer with that book, I'll, I'll be sure to let you know. Great. Okay. That sounds good. Maybe that's the next conversation we can have. Uh, and you can tell me all about the book when it's published or, okay. or whatever. M- that maybe that'll good. be the third conversation we have because we well, I'll probably have you back on before then. But um, yeah, writing a book is a big process. I've had friends yeah. that have done it. And from what I've seen, it's it's not necessarily a quick thing. I know. I'm talking about it as if you're going to just pop it out in like six months. Uh, I know. We'll, we'll talk <laughs> in January and it'll be done. Why not? Just like just take all your blog posts, put them in a book and, and you're good. Um, I'll just start a fucking series. Why not? I do a go. trilogy. This is my book trilogy. Right Wonderful. Here. That's perfect. <laughs> um, 
Cool, man. Well, I, I, I really appreciate you making time for this. Um, as, Thanks as we have found me. out, you're, you're a very busy person. So I appreciate you. I know I kept, I kept pushing back our start time for this. So <laughs> I apologize for that. We were getting the kids ready for bed and, and a whole bunch of other things in the house. So. That's totally off. Like I'm, I'm super flexible on my end. I have no children. I have a cat that acts like a toddler sometimes. Um, okay. And that's, <laughs> that's all I have going on on my end. So, you know, things are super flexible over here, but Perfect. Um, yeah. So I appreciate you making time. Um, this, I love this conversation. Um, I think there's a lot of good in this. Uh, so I hope it's helpful to the listeners, but, um, yeah, man, I keep doing what you're doing. You're doing really, really good stuff. Thank uh, you. and I, I think all of us are benefiting. So I appreciate it. That's the goal. Good. Good. Um, listeners, thank you for listening. I'm, I'm so happy and humbled that you do listen. Um, if you want to get in touch with Joel, check out his site. Um, if you have a brewery that needs a tour or a library or a church or a home that you just want to show people, uh, I'm sure Joel would love to, to swing through. Um, sure. so, uh, thank you for listening. Um, I am, uh, you may have seen on the social media, um, or I, maybe I talked about it on the last episode, but I have stickers now, um, and they will be available on the website very soon. So, uh, check out the website. It's goodhumanspod.com. Um, and I'm going to be giving away some free ones. Uh, so make sure you keep an eye out for that too. Um, I think that's all I, I don't need to plug anything else. We that's, it's enough. They're done listening. Uh, so thanks for listening guys. Uh, until next time, be good to each other. <laughs>